Hi ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are covering chapter 4, 1 Peter. As usual, let's do a quick review of the letter so far. Peter explained that once we believe in Jesus, we are born again. Chapter 1, verse 3, we were saved. Then he said we are obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Chapter 1, verse 9, so we are being saved. And lastly, we are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Chapter 1, verse 5. So we will be saved at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 7. As believers in Jesus, we have a living hope. Chapter 1, verse 3. We are to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 13. Our faith and hope are in God. Chapter 1, verse 21. And it is possible through the living and enduring word of God. In chapter 2, we learn that Jesus is a living stone, verse 4, and those who believe in Christ are also living stones, which are built together to make a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, verse 5. One word that Peter really liked is the word precious. And he said, we have a faith that is more precious than gold. Chapter 1, verse 7, which comes from the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 19. In chapter 2, Jesus is the living stone, which was rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. Jesus was the choice stone, the precious cornerstone. Chapter 2, verse 6. And for those who believe, it is a precious value. Peter then explained in chapters 2 and 3 that since we have this precious value, this precious faith, we are to live in such a way so that the world will see a difference. We are to honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Chapter 2, verse 17. We are to submit ourselves to human authority. Chapter 2, verse 13. Peter then speaks of specific relationships of submission, like servants to masters, or in our terminology, it could be workers to bosses, and then wives to husbands. And yet Peter also reminded the husband that he is to honor his wife. In chapter 3, Peter summed it up by saying believers should live harmoniously, be sympathetic, be loving, be kind-hearted, and humble with one another. Chapter 3, verse 8. Then in both chapters 2 and 3, Peter gave the perfect example of submission. Jesus to the Father. Jesus willingly suffered for us. Chapter 2, verse 21. Deceit was not found in his mouth. Chapter 2, 22. He did not revile in return nor give threats. Chapter 2, verse 23. But Jesus entrusted himself to the Father who judges justly. 
Jesus then willingly died for us once for all, the just one for the unjust many. Chapter 3, verse 18. And now he sits at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Chapter 3, verse 22. Now, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 read, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Ladies, Peter is saying, as believers, we are to expect and prepare for suffering. And as all of scripture has shared with us, as we have read it this year, there is a purpose for the pain. It is making us more like Christ. People who claim to be Christians are not to live their lives the way they want. We are called to live it the way God wants. Verses 3 and 4 tell us to stop living life like the world does in unrestrained behavior. And when we don't live like that, that causes people to be surprised and wondered why we don't live like that. Peter even says that they will slander you. One of the reasons for that is it shows them their sinfulness. Also, keep in mind that Jesus was perfect and there were tons of people that hated him. Verse 5 reads, They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. He stands ready to judge those who were alive, those who are alive, and the future generation. Verses 7 through 11 read, Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Christians at this time expected Christ to come back in their lifetimes Therefore, the next major event on God's timetable was the final end of the age, says Peter Davids. Ladies, we need to keep our heads and be self-controlled. But why? For prayer. Interesting. For prayer. Then Peter said for a third time that we are to love one another. He says it in chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 3, verse 8, and now chapter 4, verse 8. Why is love so important? Because love covers a multitude of sins. This is taken from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Ladies, when we realize how much the Lord loves us, we are able to love others. The Gaithers wrote a song that went like this. I am loved, I am loved, I can risk loving you. 
For the one who knows me best loves me most. I am loved. You are loved. Won't you please take my hand? We are free to love each other. We are loved. Jesus' love for us covers our sins. And because of this precious gift, we are to pass on that love to others. Edwin A. Blum said, Agape love is capable of being commanded because it is not primarily an emotion, but a decision of the will leading to action. Love then is carried out in actions like hospitality without complaining. Verse 10 explained that each believer has gifts and we are to use those various gifts to serve others as instruments of God's grace. Peter only lists two types of gifts, speaking and serving. These are done to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And it is God who gives the oracles, and it is God who gives the strength to serve. This is why God gets the glory through Jesus Christ. It is again through his sacrifice of precious blood that we can have this precious faith. He alone is to be praised. And that is what Peter does in verse 11. He writes a doxology or a hymn of praise to God. Then the word amen means so be it or so it is. With the amen, Peter ends a section and starts a new section, which he starts with beloved or dear friends. And verses 12 through 19 discuss sufferings that we will face. We are not to be surprised when they happen. We are to remember that we do not suffer alone, but we share in the sufferings of the Messiah. So we can rejoice. Verse 13 reads, Instead, as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, rejoice, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. This time, instead of saying the revelation of Jesus Christ, he says the revelation of his glory. When Christ comes again, he will not be the suffering servant, but the exalted King of kings and Lord of lords. And if we are faithful when he comes again, we do not have to be ashamed of how we lived our lives, but we can be joyful at his coming, at his glory. Peter explained there are different types of suffering. As believers, we are to suffer for the name of Jesus, not for sinfulness like murder. In verse 16, Peter used the word Christian. This is one of three times that the word is found in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we learn that the disciples of Christ were first called Christians in Antioch, a Gentile church. This means followers of Christ. The second time was when Paul was addressing King Agrippa. And in Acts chapter 26, verse 28, Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. Here Peter says in verse 16, But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God with that name. Peter David said, This culture was motivated by shame, 
So it is significant that Peter reframes the situation and tells the believer to feel proud rather than to experience shame. Chapter 4 ends with verses 17 through 19, which say, For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is saved through difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So those who suffer according to God's will should, in doing good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator. The Apostle Paul also addressed the idea of judgment for Christians, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. This is not a judgment of heaven or hell. This is a judgment based on rewards of how we lived our lives. Verse 18 is a quote from Proverbs eleven thirty one, which says that some of the righteous will be saved with difficulty. And then it compares how bad it will be for the sinner. Then in verse 19, as believers, when we suffer, we are to do what Jesus did. We are to entrust ourselves to the faithful creator. In chapter 2, verse 23, while Jesus was being put to death, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Here we are to entrust ourselves to a faithful creator. According to Peter Davids, this is the only place in the New Testament where God is called creator, although Jesus alludes to it. I think it alludes to the fact that God has the whole world in his hands, which includes before the world began, the time of Peter's writing, and even today, thousands of years later. God has been faithful from the beginning. He has been faithful to those who had faith in him throughout the whole Old Testament. And now that we are in the New Testament, our creator God is still faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Ladies, if the Lord has spoken to you today, please don't harden your hearts. Instead, let us be women of faith who entrust ourselves to our Creator. Let us use our gifts of speech or service to honor the Lord. Let's be women of prayer. And above all, let us love one another because we have been so deeply loved. Until next time, and thanks so very much for listening.